Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number two, Nehemiah chapter number two, praise God. It's good to see Sister Rosetta able to be here this morning. We've been praying for her and her continual uh, strength. God would be with her during this time of her treatment, and it's just good to see her this morning. Nehemiah chapter number 2 and verse 1, And it came to pass in the month of Nisim, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? And the king said unto me, For what dost thou make a request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the king of my, uh, the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. And the king said unto him, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shalt that journey be? And when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given to me, to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come unto Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, and he, that he may give the timber to make the beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house. And I shall enter into, and the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. There's something that I want you to notice in the last portion of verse 5 as he is seeking permission to go to Jerusalem he said, the reason why I want to go is that I may build it. And I simply, we know what he was saying was this, is that he wanted to rebuild it. And I want to use that one word as a subject here this morning, rebuild, rebuild. Could you say that with me? Rebuild. Praise God. Let's lift up our hands once again to the Lord of heaven and let's pray for his help and his strength. His mighty anointing upon this service today. Jesus, we look to you once again, knowing that you're the author, you're the finisher 
of our faith. And I'm praying, God, that you would not only meet with us today, but you would anoint us, both God, myself, as the deliverer of your word and this congregation of people as the receivers of your word. I pray that you would anoint each and every one of us, God, that your work could be done, your will could be complete here today. We thank you for this precious opportunity to be in your presence. I pray, God, that you would touch everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Clap your hands again to the Lord. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. My subject here this morning is not an unusual one or one that we're unfamiliar with. Even from a biblical perspective, most of us are quite familiar with the story of Nehemiah, or at least we get the gist of the story. But this concept of rebuilding, especially in recent times, has been something that we have heard a lot about and that we are familiar with. Excuse the sports analogy, but uh, for those that are fans of certain sports teams, this is a term that is often used. A team may have a winning run for a little while, a dynasty as they call it, where they're on top and they have all of the uh, players at their disposal to make winning happen. And uh, maybe they have several key players on their team that makes this possible. And really, they are head and shoulders above everybody else for a period of time. But as with most things in this life, on this earth, they come to an end because the effects of age and they get past their prime, injuries that they're trying to overcome, and uh, they're just not what they used to be. And the team goes into a period of time that they call a time of rebuilding. That's not music to a fan's ears. That's not something that they want to hear about or to hear the upper management say, but it's nevertheless something that transpires, something that has to happen. And they begin to bring younger players or uh, people in. Maybe they make some changes that at first uh, very sacrificial. They make changes that at first don't appear to be good decisions. And maybe they even suffer a little bit of criticism for it. But it's all in an effort to rebuild. They understand that we cannot go on in this same vein. We cannot continue to have success just holding on to something in the past or just living on yesterday's experiences and momentums and wins. It's not only in the sports world, but it's also in businesses and companies and corporations. You'll often hear this. We've seen a lot of companies in the last decade or so go by the wayside because they were unwilling to rebuild. They tried to keep the same brand that they had 25 years ago or what worked in the same, the same way of doing things. They had the same concept, the same vision that they had back when they started and it worked for a period of time. They had success, but they refused to tweak things. They refused to adapt to technology that comes along, for instance, and 
the differences of, of generational things that transpire and take place. And they did not rebrand. And therefore, uh, after a period of time, uh, what was once popular, what once had momentum, what was once uh, very formidable, it seems like it begins to wane and weaken. And after a while, it's, it's done away with. Uh, rebuilding is a difficult process. It's not something that we look forward to, to relaunch something, to reorchestrate something, to refocus. These are a lot of terms that we hear a lot of lately, recalibrate. Even there are those that are proponents of this in, in politics and uh, the leadership of nations that we have to get back to certain things, certain principles that we have to rebuild and, and we have to restore and we have to renew certain things. But there's no place that this is any more important than in our walk with God. There's no place that this is any more viable than in the spirit realm, in the spiritual, when it comes to talking about not only our lives personally, but also the church. Can I hear somebody say amen? It is important that we too remain on top of our game. It's important that we not try to live on yesterday's successes. We can be inspired by them. We're thankful for the legacy that has been left. We're thankful for the heritage that we have. We're thankful for everything that we can look back to and build faith with to go forward. But we have to admit, every one of us, that there are times uh, as there may be sacrifice involved, there may be... Uh, difficulties involved and it may be challenging to do so, we have to rebuild. We have to go through the process of being renewed. We have to be refreshed. We have to push reset in our lives. Yet we understand as difficult as it is and as challenging as it is, it is required. It is a necessity. You can't get around it. You, you can't stay defeated. You can't, as much as you cannot live in yesterday's successes, you can't live in yesterday's defeats either. You, you, can't, you can't live your life loathing something that happened back there in the past or something that took place. Perhaps you didn't even have control of it, but you cannot, you cannot sit around and bemoan that the rest of your life. You can't make excuses the rest of your life. You cannot continue to be demoralized from those defeats or those disappointments that you have experienced, at some point you have to say, I've got to look towards the future. I've got to stand up, dust myself off, put one foot in front of the other, as difficult as it may be, and I've got to go on. Because this is not where God wants me to languish. This is not where God wants me to stay. This is not where God wants me to dwindle down and die out, but he wants me to live. I said he wants us all to live. Amen. He said that I'll give you life and life more abundantly. If you're not living an abundant life, you're living below your means in God. But you can live above and you can live beyond that aspect of defeat or whatever it is in your past that has happened that has caused some type of disappointment. You can't overcome that. Amen. Sometimes the devil tries, and he's in the business of doing this, tries to convince people that you'll never get up again. 
you'll never overcome. You'll never be anything. He, he speaks into people's lives and tries to tell them, maybe even uses other people to do it, that, that you're just always going to be this way. You have to accept this. You're never going to get any better. You're never going to be anything. You, you can never expect to be restored. You'll, you'll never be what you could have been because of this blot or this mistake or this mark on your life. But I'm going to tell you, all of that is hogwash. God can restore. God can rebuild. God is in the revival business. Oh, I thought I'd hear some more amens here this morning. I thought somebody come to have church today. I thought somebody understood that there's times that you have to rebuild. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. We, we are a church that talks about revival often. And I've even heard people uh, say, well, why do we always talk about revival all the time? Revival all the time. Revival all the time. I'm going to tell you, anywhere the word revival is mentioned, that, that could be replaced in a way with the word hope. Amen. Because they're really synonymous terms. And we are peddlers of hope around here. Amen. And we believe that there's hope. It doesn't matter how destitute a person is. doesn't matter how down a person is. doesn't matter how defeated a person has been. doesn't matter how much the devil's tried to destroy in their life. There is the chance for God to revive them. There is hope in this house. Praise God. And so you got to do like the Apostle Paul said. He said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. Now that means that he would forget his heritage and he would forget his, uh, all the bright things and bright spots rather in his life that God had, had given to him and all the high pinnacles that God had brought him to and all the, the great testimony that he had of the miracles that had transpired. Did that mean that he was going to forget all of those? No, that didn't mean that. What it meant was as I'm forgetting those negative things, those things that try to pull me back, that try to pull me down, that try to keep me from making progress, that try to snare me, that, that try to keep me from going on. Amen. Has anybody ever felt like you just about stepped into your promise and something grabbed you by the heel and dragged you back over into that place of defeat? Anybody ever felt like you almost stepped in to that place of potential, that place that you've been praying for? for that place uh, that you'd been desiring and it seemed like something pulled you back down into a, a place of discouragement and despondency. I've come to preach to you today that you can forget those things which are behind. And here's the key. Here's how he was able to do it. He said, as I press, press. Some of you have lost your press. You've you got to have some passion. You've got to have some desire. You've got to have some hunger. You've got to be willing to press sometimes. You've got to be willing to push into some things sometimes. You've got to have some guts about you sometimes. You can't just roll over and let the devil take you. You've got to make up your mind. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to believe. I'm pressing forward. I'm not going to live in defeat. I press towards the mark. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Why, why was it that rebuilding was so important for Nehemiah? Why was the city of Jerusalem so significant? Why, why would he make such an effort and, and take on such risk to rebuild the city? Of Jerusalem. Well, if you know anything about Scripture, you understand that prophetically 
the city of Jerusalem represented so much. And there were so many promises and so many things that uh, were connected to Jerusalem in the Word of God that we see the prophets talking about the city of Jerusalem all the way down to Jesus' time. He, oh, Jerusalem. There, there was a love affair between God and Jerusalem that's always been there. And so this was a significant place. Uh, this, And we could go into all the history of that, and I could talk about that, but this was the reason why he, he thought it so important, and he felt such a tug up on his heart, and he was so stirred to do something about reviving and restoring the city of Jerusalem. And uh, this is why it is so important. And uh, I, I begin to think about this. You, you have to make a choice when destruction comes. You have, to, you have to make a decision when bad things happen. You, you have to make a decision whether or not it's worth it to rebuild. You may have heard the debate during the time of Hurricane Katrina when it swept through uh, New Orleans, there were certain ones because of all of the uh, argument over uh, how low, uh, as far as the, it always being in a bowl or a floodplain, the city of New Orleans, why would you rebuild this city and, and uh, the chances of this happening again could occur. But then there were those that said there's such historical connection and uh, consequence with this city that we have to rebuild the city of New Orleans. And there were those that, that moved away. There were people that lived there that said, I won't go back. There's no use. The flood wiped away my home. I'm going to go rebuild my life somewhere else. But to rebuild in the same place, you have to have a tie. You have to have uh, some kind of connection with it. You have to realize the significance of it. And uh, you have to make a decision and you have to make a choice. Am I, going to, to, am I going to go through the rigors of restoring this and rebuilding this? Am I going to be willing to make the sacrifices? Amen. I, I want to ask you this morning, how, how much does the things that the devil's tried to destroy in your life, how much do they mean to you? Amen. He's tried to wreak havoc in your family. How much does your family mean to you? Maybe he's tried to wreak havoc in your personal relationship with God. Amen. How much does that prayer life mean to you? How much does your worship mean to you? How much does that close connection and relationship with God, how much does it really mean to you? Are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to go through the struggles and the sacrifices and all that is required to rebuild it? It's, it's not always easy to get back what you've lost. You have to be willing to go through some things sometimes. You, you have to be willing to face some things sometimes. You, you got to be willing to go back and, 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 and clear off the debris and say we're going to scrape down until we get down to the foundation, but we're going to rebuild. We're going to see it restored. We're going to see it rise again from the ruins. We're not going to leave it in this state. We're not just going to walk away and give up hope and say it's over with. Come on, don't walk away from that marriage and say it's over with. Don't walk away from that lost child and say it's over with. Don't walk away from certain things that you prayed for and say there's no hope. It's time for you to rebuild. It's time for you to restore. It's time for you to get into your heart that can be again what there needs to be here in my life All right. oh come on somebody let's give praise to the Lord let's give praise to the Lord recent floods down in Baton Rouge had friends that their churches were totally 
wiped out. Some of you saw the pictures, and you saw floodwaters all the way up to the stage, to the platform, pews submerged in water, all the way up on the sides of the walls. Some of them very large, beautiful churches and edifices totally flooded out. And then, of course, the, the danger of mold and mildew and you have to go up so far on the walls and you have to tear out the sheet rock and you have to clean everything down and then spray it all with bleach and fight through all of that. And uh, all that, that goes on with that and uh, the agony and, and all of the effort that, that goes into rebuilding, rebuilding. But you've got to realize there's significance tied to this. And, and I, I've got, I don't have a choice. We've we got to come back and rebuild. We've got to restore. I, I noticed something about the city of Rome. Time and time again, it was sacked. Time and time again, it was burned. One of the funnier stories, I guess, that took place was that Nero, uh, he knew that the city forum was built right next to, right next to some of the uh, residential areas of Rome and so he said, this is kind of like uh, building this magnificent thing next to a brush fire, a potential for a brush fire. And uh, all somebody has to do is strike a match, and all this kindling out here is going to go up in flames, so I'm going to build a wall over here. And so he built this wall up against that. When the fire came, it came from the opposite direction. It came across and swept through and, and burned all of those things that, uh, was was endeavored to be protected, burned them all down. And uh, then come to find out it was really Nero himself doing that so that he could blame it on the Christians. And, and, and I just thought, what an irony it is. You build and erect walls and places and try to protect things in your life. And and, and, and then if you don't build them in the right place and in a significant place, it doesn't really matter. Praise God. It's important that you, when you build something, you build it in the place that God has ordained for you to build it. It's important that you realize its significance, that there's some places that I cannot do without this wall being here, amen, or whatever it may be in your relationship with God that the enemy's tried to tear down and destroy. You have to realize, you have to get the essence of it. You have to, you have to really be able to, to uh, comprehend the significance of that place. Praise God. There's certain things in our relationship with God that are not up for sale. There's, there's certain aspects of our, our, our relationship with God that cannot be... Uh, they cannot be sold out. We cannot, we cannot just give them up. Uh, amen. There's certain things that God has placed in our hearts that we have to be willing to realize the significance of this. And if the devil ever comes after it, I've got to fortify it. I've got to rebuild it. I've got to keep it strong because this is my survival. This is where my relationship with God. This is the only way it can stay intact. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And so... Over and over again, we see throughout the scripture, we see it in our own lives where things are rebuilt, rebuilt. Praise God. And we see in this particular story probably one of the greatest 
upon this subject that we could look at when Nehemiah, when the messengers came from Jerusalem and he asked, he's inquiring about this beloved city, Jerusalem. And he receives this report. And the report wasn't good. And what they told him had happened to Jerusalem and how the enemies had come. Not only had they ran through the city and pillaged it, burned it with fire, but they burned the gates. They burned them completely up. And then they began to destroy the walls and to tear down the walls of that city. And the scripture says that after he received this report, that he mourned for certain days. He couldn't eat. He refrained from eating. And he mourned and he wept when he considered Jerusalem, when he thought about this beloved city and all that was happening with it. He began to think about how the enemy had come in and ravaged it and destroyed something that meant so much to him. And he began to mourn. He was grieved, grievously grieved and disturbed, upset. I want to ask you, does, does anything disturb you? Does, what, what is it that, that gets you spiritually grieved or upset? Praise God. Is there anything when, when, there's, there's not, when there's not the flow of the Holy Ghost that there needs to be in a service, does that, does, that, does that grieve you? Does that disturb you? When there's not the move of God that there should be and when you didn't get what you should have gotten from the service or uh, you, you, you see needs that are going unmet in your life and you see prayers that are going unanswered and you, you see things that you know that God can do and, and for whatever reason it's not happening as you desire it to. and Maybe there's the potential there for revival but you're not seeing or experiencing the revival that you would like to see. Is there anybody that can identify with me that that grieves you at times and disturbs you and unsettles you? You're not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with dead church. I said I'm not comfortable with dead church. I'm not comfortable just coming here and marking time and going through the motions and everybody coming and giving their little happy clappy and us all going home unchanged, unaffected, undisturbed. Nothing nothing really taking place. But something has got to happen when we come to the house of God. There's potential here for a Holy Ghost explosion. There's potential here for somebody to be healed. There's potential in this service for somebody to get a miracle. There's supernatural potential for somebody in this house to receive an answer from God and for us to go and come from this place this place of worship this place of prayer this place where we're in the presence of God and nothing to happen and us not to be affected that's a shame and it should disturb us amen and I know it happens and I know that, that churches are living organisms and, and as there, there's there's just like in life, there's hills and valleys and ups and downs and all of that. But I'll just tell you, for me, it disturbs me when I can go for a long time and not see somebody, amen, renewed in the Holy Ghost. Not see somebody down here repenting of their sins. 
getting the Holy Ghost for the first time, not see the baptismal waters troubled. It is it's a disturbing thing. Amen. Let it indict us. Let it, let it accuse us. Let it whatever. Amen. But we're guilty if we're not grieved, if we're not disturbed, if we're not moved by that. We're not doing our job if that's not happening. And I want to be unsettled when souls are not having the opportunity to find God. Amen. When f- folks are not receiving what they need from the Lord. Amen. I'm not blaming it on anybody. I'll take responsibility for it. But I'm disturbed and I realize it starts with somebody like Nehemiah saying that that grieves me that the walls are smoldering and laying in ruins and the city of Jerusalem is in waste. That disturbs me. It ought to disturb you if there's one dead church service. It ought to upset you when there's one person that leaves the altar without the need met. When one person seeking the Holy Ghost doesn't get the breakthrough, it ought to cause something to be unsettled within you. God, we got to have restoration and revival. It's time to rebuild. Oh, let's cup our hands and give praise to the King of Kings. Amen. But notice there's a shift that begins to take place. Because you can't stay in that position of grief. You can't stay in that place of disappointment forever. Even the psalmist said, weeping may endure for the night. I like that word may. Because that's like it has to have permission. You may. You may endure for the night. Not that you will, or not that you can, but that you may endure for the night. Amen. There's limitations to how long you can stick around, disappointment. There's limitations to how long you can keep us down, discouragement. There's limitations to how long we're going to be demoralized and we're going to stay in this position, but... Joy is coming. Revival is coming in the morning. Praise God. I don't know about you. It may have been dark for a while in your life, but I see the sun on the horizon capping over the mountaintops. I see rays of sun shining to some saint of God that is in this house this morning offering fresh hope, fresh revival. A fresh anointing, a fresh touch. Somebody ought to be encouraged. Matter of fact, somebody right now ought to stand to their feet and give a shout of praise and say, I embrace that. I believe that. I put my faith in that. I'm going to receive that. Oh, I'm not going to stay down. Don't count me out. It's time for me to rebuild. Somebody ought to shout. Somebody ought to praise him. Somebody ought to worship him. Somebody ought to glorify him. Somebody ought to lift up your voice. The devil wants you to put a sock in your mouth and sulk and loathe what used to be and what has been taken away from you. But I'm going to rebuild. I'm clearing off the slab. I'm starting over again. I'm not going to stay here. Weeping may endure for a night. Come on, lift up your hands. Let's praise him right now. I feel the Holy Ghost moving. 
I feel the touch of God in this place. Oh, Oh, Come on, anybody feel that? I feel refreshing winds. I feel new joy. I feel fresh hope. You can't afford to wallow in defeat. You can't afford to harbor those feelings of hurt. You can't, you can't afford to continue to rehearse all the wrongs that's been done to you. Amen. You got to get in and say it's time to rebuild. It's time to be. Re you know, they're going to be aggravated with me over there in the Sunday school because they like for me to go at least long enough they can get their lesson done. But you know what? I just feel a move of the Holy Ghost. And I've been preaching long enough to know that you can't, you can't always time God. You can't always do it like you think it ought to be done. You just got to follow what God wants. And I feel His Spirit moving in this house. Come on, would you just take the mask off for just a minute? Would you just be vulnerable just for, just for a few minutes here? I believe God wants to move if you'll open up your heart, if you'll surrender yourself to him. If, if, you'll, if you'll say, God, I need you to restore some things in me. I need you to re help me to rebuild some things in me. I need you to work some things out in my life. Come on. But somebody made the decision. There's some things that are sacred enough. There's some things that are important to me enough. There's some things, amen, that I can't afford to let go by the wayside. There's some things that mean enough to me that I'll, I'll do whatever necessary to see them rebuilt, to see them restored. I'm not just going to cast it out and, and just say it's over with and, and not give it another chance or not extend my faith any further. Oh, but God, help me today. Come on, it's time to get serious. I think it's time for somebody to realize, amen, it's up to me right now. God's given, given me the opportunity. God has given me the chance to rebuild, to restore, to renew, amen, to recalibrate. Oh, come on, you talk about relaunch. You can relaunch your life here this morning. Whatever failures, whatever discouragement, whatever failings, whatever whatever has happened, amen, that you feel like is, is something that's insurmountable, I'm telling you, God can help you to see it rebuilt today. Amen. Let's connect with somebody in this altar. Let's connect with somebody. Would you pray with me? There's power in, in us getting together and unifying together and praying together and seeking God together. Do whatever you feel. You want to pray? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. That devil's a liar, don't give up. That devil's trying to destroy, but he don't know the power of my God to restore. Yes, 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 you could rebuild it here today. 
You can rebuild here today. You can get it back together again here today. Oh, you can get back a hold of it here today. Oh, somebody, somebody make up your mind. Somebody focus your heart. Somebody just determine it in your spirit. Today is the day that I began rebuilding. Today is the day that I go for restoration. This is revival for me. This is revival for me. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter how lifeless it appears. It doesn't matter. Amen. Whether there's any signs of life in the situation, God can resurrect. God can restore. God can put it back together. God can rebuild it. God, amen, is in the business of restoring people that want to be restored. Lord, come on, call on his name. Reach out to him with all your heart. Seek him right now. Somebody call on him. Amen. He's here for you, saint of God. Come on, I feel like we need to be reaching a little, little bit more tenaciously. We need to be reaching with more fervency here this morning. I feel like if we'll pursue him, God will answer. If we'll cry out to him, God will hear us. God will work for us. God will do the things we need him to do. It will reach out to him right now. Come on, you got to make up your mind. I shall live and not die. And I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. I shall live. Come on, get that in your spirit as a mantra. I shall live and not die. And I will declare the work. One of these days I'm going to be shouting. One of these days I'm going to be rejoicing in these aisles. I may be wiping tears right now. I may be agonizing right now. But one of these days it's going to turn to rejoicing. It's going to turn to a shout. It's going to turn to high praise. Why? Because God's going to answer. God's going to work. The prayer's going to come to fruition. The answer is going to take place. Come on, I can't help but feel that if we press just a little further here, that God's just not quite done in this altar service. I know some of us may be through, but God's not through. God's not finished. Amen. Get a little persistence. Get a little bulldog tenaciousness about you. Make up your mind. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Devil, if that was your intention, if, that was, if that's what you thought, you you got another thought coming. I am going to rise from these ruins and rebuild and rebuild and rebuild. I can hear somebody saying it. But what I had was so beautiful. What I had was so awesome. What I had was so wonderful and I had it just perfect. Now look. All it is is a heap. It's destroyed. It's smoldering. All I'm left with is just a foundation. I'm going to tell you. If that's, what you, if that's all you got, you got what is necessary to build on. And God can take that. And you can see something rebuilt and restored that is far greater than anything you possessed. 
than anything that you had in the past. I know you can't see it right now, but God, God has a plan for you. If you'll put it in His hands, if you'll believe Him and trust Him. Praise God. Praise God. Will we feel after Him again right now? Would we feel after him again right now? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to rebuild. I feel the depth of the Holy Ghost here.